report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're also joined by recurring guest, Aaron Goins, from the Star Wars Bookworms Podcast. Hey, guys. Glad to have you back. Yep. And we're also joined with friend of the show, David. Howdy. How are y'all doing? Doing good today. Yeah, welcome, David. We uh, we met you at uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim and uh, got along yeah. really well, so we're really excited to have you on the show as well. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's really cool to uh, go to something awesome like Celebration, and, you know, I honestly thought it was going to be a bunch of people like the comic book guy from The Simpsons, but you're all really nice people. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was my first time, and y'all uh, really made me feel welcome, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thanks. It's, it's our yeah. pleasure to, ha- to have you join us. And Aaron, how how's everything going with you? We have it's been a it's been a few months, I think. Yeah, everything's going great. I think the last time I talked to you guys probably was at Celebration. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's good those... to catch up, and this is a a good book for me to join in on because it's my favorite of the new canon, and it stars one of my favorite characters. So I can't wait to talk about it. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's dig in then. I think. How's that sound? That works for me. Yep. Um, so I'll just kick it off. We're going to do tonight. Dark Disciple is written by Christy Golden. We got a brief synopsis. It's the only way to bring down the Sith's most dangerous warrior may be to join forces with the dark side. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron, I definitely agree with you. This is one of my favorite books out of the ones that are there. I still like Tarkin, but I think this one right up there is I'd put it above Tarkin for me right now. You know what? I'll just say I think this is probably one of my favorite book of the new uh, the new EU, and I think for good reason, right? This this um, Dark Disciple is based on eight unproduced scripts from Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, written by um, George Lucas's daughter Katie Lucas, and uh, and it kind of continues the whole. Darth, well, uh, the whole Asajj Ventress arc that was started and kind of dropped in. Uh, in the Clone Wars, you remember um, Asajj shows up in. Uh, she kind of helps Ahsoka escape uh, at the end of the Clone Wars, and then she also shows up in the bonus content, I believe, as well, briefly. Um, but that's about it, right? And so yep. Katie Lucas, Matt McDevitts, and Dave Filoni all worked on these scripts, and uh, it kind of very, it very feel, very much feels like uh, episodes of the Clone Wars. And I must One, say, out of, I was sorry, go ahead. No, go. No, go ahead. Well, I must say that out of all the uh, books that we've been reading in this new canon and everything, uh, one thing that I liked about this book was that it was really direct into an already delved-in storyline, but it was something a little new. And I must admit, I know you guys are really into it, The Clone Wars has been difficult for me. I've been – I'm always, you know, kind of picking and choosing episodes as I go. And I think the, the reason why all of this stuff is kind of weird for me was is the Titanic idea. Like mm. when you go and watch the movie Titanic, you know what's going to happen in the end. 
So it's never really a surprise for me when I'm watching all this stuff what's going to happen or what the outcome is, and that's the thing with the prequels. Right. So um, I'm excited for September 4th, but I think out of everything that they've done in the last year or two, I think this has been the best of the new canon that really tell a great story. Definitely, and I think in a lot of that, they, especially with this novel, it's with characters that were purely from the Clone Wars and prequel era when you don't see them uh, later on. Mm-hmm. And so... You really do wonder, like, what's what's going to happen to these characters? Um, you know, what happens to Quinlan? What happens to Asajj? Uh, you don't know, and they, really, the whole, the book, really the whole time, it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat, and they don't really tell you what's going on. You're constantly wondering, um, you know, who who's telling the truth, who's good, who's bad. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. clear cut. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I think. But, uh, go ahead, Stephen. I was gonna say I was trying to remember. I don't actually remember what happened uh, in the old EU to, or in the Legends universe to Quinlan Voss. Like I remember he had a, a number of really major arcs in and? the Clone Wars. <laughs> well, let me tell uh, you. <laughs> please elaborate. Originally, he was supposed to die in Episode Three. Um, a scene was actually cut from Episode Three where he was supposed to be on uh, Kaishik, I believe. Right. Um, and he was supposed to be basically his tank that he was in was going to blow up. And then the comics picked up that story but said that he survived the the blast. And so he kind of went off into hiding, um, found out the girl that he was with, I guess, had a baby. And him and his master, Master Tholm, who actually they did use that book or they did use that name in this book, um, actually kind of went off into hiding and his fate was unknown. Um in the old EU. Mm. So I okay. question on that. Did, you said it was a deleted, was that just deleted from the story arc? Or it was an actual scene at some point taken out of the movie. It was a, it was originally supposed to be filmed and oh. it never got past the, I think it only ever got into the storyboard phase. Um, so they did put it into the, the comic adaptation of episode three. So there is a scene of Quinlan Voss dying in the <laughs> comics. But then Dark Horse decided they didn't want to kill that character off because he was too popular. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they and went even, ahead and continued his story. And correct me because it's been a while since I've read these, but even the the Clone Wars comic had Asajj Ventress, I'm sorry, Asajj Ventress, Quinlan Voss turning to the dark side and kind of going undercover. Um, yeah, that yeah, that was a major element through a lot of the old, I think it was Republic story arcs. Right. Quinlan was kind of a character that was on the edge of... Uh, on the edge of the dark side and the light side, always kind of going undercover. I want to say mm. there's even a story arc where he sided with Dooku. Yep. Yeah, I, I believe but so, right? Took, Craig, go ahead. Feel free to... Yeah, I was going to say, they, they basically took elements from the Dark Horse series and definitely used them in this storyline for the Clone Wars, where you know he decides to kind of go undercover and try to join Dooku, ends up turning to the dark side, um, kind of like he does in the novel. Um, and then his whole idea is that he's going to find who the second Sith is. He knows that Dooku's one of them, but he doesn't know who the second one is. Um, and he falsely identifies a different character as the second Sith. But, um, yeah, they, a lot of the elements are very similar. Which is kind of nice since they, they kind of threw out, you know, as you guys know, the, the whole EU. And so none of that really happened anymore. So it, it was nice that while it's a, it's a fresh story, it, it also has a lot of familiar elements. Uh, and they, they kept like the a lot of the basics of his character around still. Well, and that was that was something that was always kind of frustrating in the Clone Wars was like, oh, Mandalorians, let's let's uh, we like the concept, let's rejigger this 
uh, yeah, that significantly. Don't, and I, don't get me started about the Mandalorians, please. Trying, don't. <laughs> Do not. Mimlon, even though he was a different character, you know, Master Thalm didn't survive to the end of the Clone Wars. He died previously, as we discover in the book. It all still felt very familiar. He's still a character who's primarily kind of the undercover Jedi. Mm-hmm. He's got, he kind of dances on the edge. He's got a, a good sense of humor. All of those I felt like were elements of the old comics. And we saw even briefly in the Clone Wars, but it still remained familiar. Well, I think the one thing for me reading at this character, Quinlan Voss, he was almost like the Arrow Flynn or the, the swashbuckler of this. And I like the character that way. And I also think the reason why the story works is you really don't have these two characters that are so prominent within the universe that you could play with them a bit. And it did help that this came from an actual writing of Katie Lucas who knew how to handle Asajj Ventress. And a lot of that helped this book along. And also, if I do remember correct, I think it's been stated that just because the stuff in the Legends universe technically didn't happen, it doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen, if that's the way they're taking it. So that also makes it nice that they pulled stuff from the quote-unquote Legends and sprinkled it into this to make it work as well. Yeah, I think the most drastic difference and hard for me um, when it comes to the character of Quillen Voss, um, is in the comics, they really portray him as a darker, um, more brooding, quiet, you know, type of character. And in the Clone Wars, when they had him in that very in that episode, they had him in mm-hmm. um, what was it? The hunt for no, uh, was it the hunt I, for zero? Or I think it was. Yeah, I, I think because so, yes. it gets a reference in this book about hunting for a particular hut. You're mm-hmm. right. So when they first brought him in that, and he kind of He's this like kind Tarzan. of arrogant guy, and he's like, you know, that's your opinion, man, and you know, kind of surfer Very type surfer attitude. Dude, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, ooh, that is not the Quinlan Voss that I've been reading in the Dark Horse comics. Well, it's but, funny. Um, he's like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, but yeah, basically, I was just gonna say that the personality is very different from what you kind of get from the comics, but they do stay very true to the look of the character, his force mm-hmm. abilities. Some of his, you know, backstory characters that he's involved with. So, I did appreciate that. Although the personality was very different, it was a very familiar, familiar version of the character. Yeah, I thought when uh, I I read this book, I read it all the way through, and then this weekend I went through um, those episodes of Clone Wars. And I was trying to pick it out, and I had imagined this really kind of cool guy that was all suave, and uh, then I saw that guy, and it was like Tarzan. Jedi and I was like uh, that's not what I was picturing in my head it kind of ruined it for me yeah I guess for me when it comes to Quinlan I did not read the Dark Horse comics so my only real experience was the uh, Clone Wars episodes and this book so I kind of got out of comics after a while because it gets a little expensive Um, so for me I liked this Quinlan I do agree that now thinking back on the episode with um with uh, Obi-Wan going after Zero. Yeah, he was more of the Tarzan-ish character. Um, but I thought his characterization in this book was done very well. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, so let's, I guess, let's let's uh, let's start at the beginning and kind of, um, I mean, hopefully everybody listening to this has already read the book, but... Yeah, spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as really? You know, as spoiler you know, alert, we're talking spoilers. about the book. But um, let's kind of, you know, step back for a minute and... and, and kind of look at the, the story. So the book kind of, um, it starts out with a, a you know, a small, uh, action scene, 
um, basically. And we see, you know, um, what was the, I think that's again, the planet. It's like Maron or something. Or something. Like those, like, yeah. Marani. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and they're basically talking about, basically trying to set up how bad Count Dooku is, right? And how he's, um, you know, he's killing everybody and how without Dooku, the Separatist movement would collapse, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I want to touch on that for a minute. I, like, I was, as I was reading through the book and thinking back over it in preparation for this, I realized that opening felt very, very disconnected to me. Yeah. Like, we got a little bit of a connection with uh, the character Desh towards the end of the book as kind of mm-hmm. a reminder about this whole, like, oh, you get a stinger and you can kill someone with it once. Mm-hmm. But even that was a very tenuous connection. And it just, the opening didn't really resonate with me. We already knew Duke was a bad guy. He's leading the Separatists. Like, I yeah. thought that was an established fact. I didn't really need that, the opening chapter. It just felt weird to me. Yeah, the, the prologue was kind of almost like a... Um... Yeah, they're just trying to set set the stage, and then the the, the character through you know, through whose eyes you see the the beginning of the book uh, dies at at the end. Um, well, and, the, end, well the, end of that, the end of that little chapter. Yeah, exactly. Got, yeah. yeah, exactly. The end of that chapter, and then we cut to basically the Jedi Council um, trying to decide what to do with Dooku, and they very quickly make um, you know an interesting move, I guess. For the Jedi, they they decide that you know what um, they have to cut off the head of the Separatist um, uh, forces, and uh, Count Dooku just needs to be taken out. And they jump straight to you know, okay, let's figure out who's going to strike the killing blow uh, right away, which okay. doesn't really seem too Jedi-like. No, and David, you wanted to come in with something? Yeah, what I was thinking is, um, you know, in the synopsis, may be to join forces with the dark side. Well, I think, uh, and I agree with what y'all are saying about this whole first opening scene, uh, because it was so disjunct for me that I had to go back and I, I had forgotten. I was looking at a synopsis and I had forgotten what had happened. Mm-hmm. But I think they they can't just start right at the Jedi's just saying, ah, let's kill him. You know what I mean? So they sure. had to put that in there. I, I see why he or they did that. Um, but I, I agree that it was like, you know, right off the bat, boom, we're going to, you know, kill him. But, you know, I, I, maybe they should have put in a few more, um, anecdotes about, so that, that you would really understand that the Jedi are frustrated so much so that they're going to join forces themselves with the dark side, um, and do a dark side act because that's what Obi-Wan the entire time was against. Oh yeah. He questioned it the whole time. Yeah. I felt like. Throughout the entire book, I felt Mace Windu was kind of an odd characterization. Like, I, I tend to think of Mace Windu as being very direct. Um, but in this, he almost seemed, I don't know, like, his, at every turn, he's like, yep, we got to execute him. Yep, kill them all. <laughs> and it just, it, it did not feel like Mace Windu to me. Hmm. I think more and more with Mace Windu's character, especially with the Clone Wars characterization of him, they're really wanting him to look like the jerk of the Jedi Council. And kind of the one that's kind of heartless and questioning everything. And they really play that up in this book. Um, yeah. I don't know how much of that is you know, from the scripts, how much of that's from Christy Golden. But yeah, he was just a jerk for most how of the book. How much of that now, is we see Pulp Fiction? Right. And then on top of that, do you really think that's the reason why they put him with Jar Jar in those two episodes? Was to kind of let Jar Jar lighten him up a bit? <laughs> Possibly. But Sorry, Aaron. You do have to admit, though, that 
more often than not, Mace Windu is right. Oh, sure. Because oh, he, yeah. He was the one that questioned, you know, Anakin and if they could trust Anakin. And then Anakin ends up turning into Darth Vader and destroying half the galaxy. He's um, a jerk, but he's a correct jerk. But he's, hey, he's usually right. <laughs> but no, he was right about Quinlan Voss too. You know, he at the end, they're all like, oh, Quinlan Voss is fine. He's like, I don't know if we should trust this guy. You yeah. Know? So, so. yes, I mean, like, Obi-Wan, I think Obi-Wan is the one who suggested both, um, both Quinlan and Asajj. And their yes. whole plan revolves around getting, um, sending Quinlan after Dooku and getting him to believe, uh, getting him to convince Asajj that the whole plan is her idea. Yep. Because you know, at this point, a, that's a weird story arc for me. Because for me, if okay, if they have to put those two characters in there because that's what the whole book is about. But to me, it seems like if you want to go ahead and kill Dooku, you should send like Obi Wan, Mace Windu, um, you know, just like four of um these master jedi to go kick his tail but i think you send the, the a team is what you're saying what's that you send the a team is what you're yeah saying. right <laughs> yeah but but i think i think what you're looking at is if that were the case then the blood would be on the jedi's hands and this right. way it was almost like a deniability factor if they're able to convince asajj that it was her idea like that work came off very well didn't it later in the book but um it wouldn't have worked if now it didn't work well when they went after Sidious when four Jedi went after him. I mean, how did that turn out? So you think the same thing was, you know, it was a foreshadowing. It was not going to work. They had to send Asajj to do it. Yeah, but there's this weird element. That I thought that they've got this whole, OK, you need to go get Asajj to help you kill Dooku, but you can't tell her that you're a Jedi. And it. Now, that just struck me as weird through a lot of the book. I'm glad they, for the most part, kind of uh, didn't worry about it story-wise. Because uh, no. Voss obviously tells Ventress who he is very quickly. But okay, just, but that, especially but that coming also... from the old EU, where the ability to sense, uh, you know, someone's intentions and their force abilities, it just it seemed a little bit odd to me. Right, but that mm -hmm. also didn't work out in his favor anyway, because I think she even said she knew to begin with he was a Jedi. True. She knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, they 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 meet on um, trying to remember which which planet they meet on. Antorin, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, lots of lots of uh, Clone Wars references here. You well, this is on... this is actually a scene we saw at Celebration during one of the Clone Wars panels. Yes, that's correct. Which I thought was really really cool. That is correct. Do you want to talk speak to that more so, at all? Okay. Or? Yeah, so I can I can speak to that. <laughs> so at the Clone Wars panel, they show off a. It was kind of meant as a teaser, I think, for this book, and they show off um, Asajj Ventress. She starts off with her bow, and she's chasing down a Pantoran um, on this planet with red buildings, and that's about all I remember of it, to be honest. Now, Pantora, if you remember, is the planet that George Lucas is from, I believe. Um, they had the George Lucas character, uh, well, Papanoida. Actually, George Lucas is from there too, of course. Exactly, um, but they had his whole family in the in the in the Clone Wars. It is a story long, long ago. Yeah, the, the the snow planet. Anyway, so that that's Pantora. So we're back on Pantora. Yep. And, and we see Ventress chasing down one of the Pantorans. Or is was he a Pantoran? I don't actually remember. Okay, I'm gonna try and find it in the book. It was interesting. It's the so there's this really big chase scene um, that we saw animated, and it ends with Voss tackling. Uh, the the guy I don't remember his name anymore. 
what I found really, really interesting is in the book, it was almost that like this was like a, I don't know, a two or three minute clip. And in the book, it was over in like a page or at least that part of it was over very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they I thought they chased him literally like crazy because it was always why is he getting in my way? That's all I remember about Ventress yep, when she so first meets the, him. It's always and, and I'm trying to remember the nickname she gave him. Go ahead, Stephen. Idiot. Thank you. <laughs> why, why couldn't I remember no, that? Oh, wait, no, no, no. no. Calling you an idiot. We were calling you an idiot. <laughs> I know you were not calling me that. I didn't mean that the wrong way, but yes, thank you for reminding me that was what it was called. Thank you. He was called. Yeah, she's instantly annoyed at him. Yes. I mean, not too. I can't blame her too much. Um, but that was his intent. He was intentionally trying to get under her skin and be flirty, just like Obi Wan told him to to get undercover. Right. Actually, that was that was an interesting thing too. You know, because um, throughout the Clone Wars, Obi Wan and Asajj had this very interesting dynamic between the, the two of them, and uh, and so he tries. Obi Wan tries to give Quinlan some advice on how to deal with Asajj, um, and multiple points, I guess. Um, but eventually, they they kind of team up briefly and they decide to go to Obadiah to see the pikes. And there's like a lot of setup in here. It kind of feels like in many ways, like you'd expect from the first episode of a, um, that, of it a was, eight, four to eight part arc. It was something I noticed, especially in the beginning of the book, which I'm going, given it was eight episodes, I imagine this is like four episodes in two seasons. Right. With the end of the first set being when Voss goes to the dark side and becomes Admiral Enigma. So, um, so. Because I could just imagine that being the you know the cliffhanger at the end of the arc, but it was the first couple of episodes like up oh, that's where the end of the episode was, up oh, that's where the end of the next episode was. Like it it felt very uh, not in a bad way, but it, you could tell it was from a TV show, and it was towards the the second half of the book that it really felt different to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you, you you could kind of almost see the seams between the episodes if you if you paid close enough attention. Yeah, it. I do think that's one of the weaknesses of the book is it did feel like I couldn't get away. I couldn't get it out of my head that I was reading Clone Wars episodes. It, everything about it just felt like I was almost reading a script. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, kind of had wished maybe Christy Golden had taken a little bit, maybe taken the story and really fleshed it out into more of a novel form. But it just seemed very uh, – each episode seemed very distinct and there was like a big point of action and then kind of, you know, like like it would have been at the end of a Clone Wars episode. Yeah, and then they move to a different location, and then they kind of repeat and then the some, Yeah, something big would happen, and then it would be a lot of setup, and then something else would happen. And a lot of repetitive things even, like, oh, we're going to try to kill him. Oh, now we're going to have to rescue somebody. Now we're going to try to kill him again. Oh, now we're going to rescue somebody. And it's like kind of a, a bit of a repetitive nature to the novel. One mm-hmm. thing that I noticed about the beginning of the book, different than a lot of Star Wars books um, that I've read in the recent past, was that you kind of have this like Seinfeld thing, like there's four stories going on mm-hmm. and then they all lead back together in the end. Well, in this book it started and it was really the same thing. And so that's why I think I got off with Heir to the Jedi and didn't really finish it because I get to the storyline that I'm not really interested in. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick that up tomorrow. And I never end up getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like this was straight with the characters that I was interested in the whole mm-hmm. way through and probably why I liked Sith Lords and Tarkin a lot, too. Um, it's very focused. So, yeah, so I, I like that um, aspect. So that's the kind of the other side of that episode um, of Clone Wars kind of aspect to it. Yeah, and then so after... I, I completely agree. Um, after Pantora, you know, then they go to uh, Obadiah. Quinlan basically convinces Asajj to let him, you know, 
keep working with her temporarily. And, and, they, and technically be partners. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they, they start, that, that played a little bit in it, too, because he kind of joked with her partner. Yeah. They, uh, they start running missions. They go to Obadiah to see the Pikes. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of references like Black Sun and Mustafar. And they're really trying to tie in all of the underworld elements from the Clone Wars. Um, we get 1313 references. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, the Mos Eisley Cantina. Uh, you know, really all of the locations that we, we saw in the Clone Wars and obviously other films as well. But uh, places that the Clone Wars also went to, you can see. Which, I mean, makes sense given that... Um, these scripts are written for the show and they were trying to reuse the locations and that sort of thing. It was, it was something I found a little bit distracting though, because, because, you know, Clone Wars always revisited various planets because, you know, it's an economical use of assets Mm. like animation assets, but a book doesn't have that problem. And so I, I always felt like it was a little bit weird that we kept going to the same sorts of planets. But if this came from a Clone Wars script, that does kind of make sense. Although I do agree, was um, David? Were you the one that said that maybe Christy Golden should have went a little bit further and expanded out, or was it Aaron? Just the story needed to expand a little bit more. I mean, I I can see where. Yes, I agree. You could tell where the episodes cut off, but that's basically where this came from, and I can see why you want to just keep it that way and just keep the consistency of the story because if you start going further out with it maybe you're going to lose that one thread and the story is going to get lost at a certain point and people are going to get disinterested so i'd be curious to see the scripts not not that we ever would be able to but just to see how much she added and how much she you know really stuck to the eight episodes like how, that, how much yeah freedom she have. yeah that'd that be would a cool be very cool just for the super nerds in us yeah. Well, that would be a thing in which they put like a special edition out to where it's like, you know, two, five years from now, they say, hey, we're going to do anniversary of the Dark Disciple book. We're going to not only give you that, but we'll throw in the scripts, too, because I know sometimes they've done that with different properties. They'll do like a special edition. I think DC's done that with, um, I think Kingdom Come, I'm pretty sure they did it with um, uh, Watchmen. They had this big special edition thing. Just uh, curious, a little tangent here. Do you guys ever listen to these on audiobook? No, I haven't. Yeah. I, I will I, on occasion, yeah. Problem is, I usually get review copies before they're released on oh. audiobook. So, well, I, I really, really have gotten into the audiobook thing because now they're not abridged. Everything's usually unabridged right there. And yeah. I, in in what I do profession wise, I, I don't have time necessarily to. Um, do all this, uh, sit down and read. And when I do, I'm probably going to fall asleep. But um, <laughs> when I'm driving or, or uh, mowing the lawn or whatever, I, I just have a Star Wars book in all the time. And one thing that's uh-huh. really cool about it is that the acting from the voice actors is really unbelievable. And they have the sound effects and everything going on. And, and it really makes it a whole experience, kind of like you're watching the movie. And it really gets me into it just like watching an episode of Clone Wars and the voices help. And so it, it helps me identify different uh, characters because of the voices and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, really appreciate it. And, and I just recommend that to anybody. I Do totally agree. I've actually switched to doing that for most other books that aren't Star Wars. If I'm not getting them really, I've started listening to the Monty books just because I don't have as much of the time. There's other well. books that aren't Star Wars? Believe it or not, yeah. Um, but mostly Star Wars. I mean, that's the most important <laughs> stuff. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, of course. 
so there's going to be a lot of books coming pretty soon. So, I mean, what, we're going to get a deluge of them pretty, like, in September? September 4th. Oh, God. Yeah. My bank account's going to (laughs) hurt. Yeah, so let me ask you guys a question because I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So uh, once we, we, you know, Asajj and Voss join up at the kind of the beginning of the book and we get a number of scenes which are intended to help sell not only their partnership as bounty hunters, mm-hmm. but also the pieces that come next, the, the big relationship, you know, mm-hmm. the falling in love and, mm-hmm. Va- and which in turn sets up Voss's fall to the dark side. And what I want to know is, did you guys find that convincing? Did it? Did the book sell you on that? I on feel that like story? it. I feel like it did. And I would see that somebody would say that that whole act was um, a little long, maybe. And I think maybe Tom said it a second ago. But I felt like it, that was really well done. Whereas if we're going to complain about something being too short, like at the beginning, they didn't set up the all of a sudden everybody's like, "Yep, kill Dooku." But I thought this was really good. What I thought, and and y'all maybe have. Uh, more experience with this, but I felt like there was more romance and innuendo in this than any other Star Wars book I've read. Is that I'd have to agree with yep. you on that. Yep. There was a lot of innuendo in this. Because my wife and I were traveling a lot this summer, and at one point, actually during this whole act, we were um, driving in the car together. I was listening to the audiobook. She was doing whatever and every now and then she's like ooh <laughs> and she would like chime in and be like whoa what are we talking about here like this isn't star wars <laughs> i feel like um based on other novels that i've read i think like kind of more towards the new jedi order and beyond there was a lot of that type of stuff they tried to get a little bit more adult with certain situations and i know there i think there's there wasn't so much in this one that I felt like, oh, this is different than what I've read before in Star Wars. It just seemed like some similar things that I had read in some of the love stories and later on. Yeah. Um, I know if even I... with like Jag and Jaina, there was there's some pretty, you know, a lot of innuendo yeah. in that relationship. That and, was the other, other thing. I, that was the other one I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, what it, I think uh, goes back even farther because I seem to recall that the courtship of Princess Leia was. Um, Jeez, I don't know. God, I don't know what a little. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's going back yeah. to the Bantam era. But there, I remember there being some very odd pieces to that book. Mm-hmm. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It, Anyone? It did... No. I haven't read that one in years. It did feel a little weird seeing some of that from Asajj, just because you're typically not used to that from her character. She's very um, evil and cold, and so it's a very different side of Asajj. But That's I think what, Christy Golden did a, a pretty good job at the same time, um, making it feel somewhat believable. I, yeah, I, that's what I was going to say too, William. I think the hardest part of the believability of it was Asajj Ventress's side. I believed, I've believed Voss. Now, although that's a completely different characterization of him than he would be in the comics, but the way that he kind of fell for her in the book, I totally believed it. But her side of things, just seeing her character and following her in the Clone Wars... She doesn't seem like the type of character that would ever fall in love. Like she just seems like somebody that would always be independent and just kind of use men for her own devices but never really fall for them. So the fact that she did, it did take some it took me a little bit of of getting used to that. And by the end, I had bought into it. Mm-hmm. But throughout the novel, I was questioning it. What well, do you think it's because uh and again, y'all know more about the Clone Wars uh, story arc, but do you think it's because now they're trying to portray a different character that's 
maybe growing, maybe lonely. And then she like they even set it up in the book that she's missing her sisters. She wants attachment. I mean, do you think that's what they were going for, Aaron, or do you think just completely it kind of disjunct you? Yeah, I think so. And as the Clone Wars went on, like if you the very first episode of Clone Wars features Asajj Ventress um, kind of facing mm-hmm. off against Yoda, mm-hmm. um, and she's just a purely evil character, and and she's pretty much that way for a while. But then as the Clone Wars moved on, um, they start to show some heart in the character. And I know, and specifically in the episode where she uh, saves the girl from being you know, sold into slavery, mm-hmm. you know, they really showed that the character of Ventress actually does have heart and she isn't purely evil. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a slow progression. So that, that did help me, um, kind of buy into it more for the novel, but it did take a little bit of like, okay, would, would Ventress actually fall for somebody like Quinlan Voss? Yeah. It was almost like the whole zero in love thing at first. No, <laughs> no, no wait, 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 like wait, 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 that one, that one was left <laughs> But not quite as weird. Yeah, that was totally left field. I, yeah. I, there, was no, there was no love sack or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God, please. I, the one thing that I enjoyed about Ventress is the way her playfulness with Obi-Wan, and there was always that innuendo between the two, and I think it was even called out in this book, and I'm trying to remember if it was um, Quinlan who did it to Obi-Wan, but there was that call out there where it's almost like a mutual respect between Obi-Wan and Ventress, but that playfulness and that was the underlying thing. And I could believe it with you know, Quinlan and Ventress. I could see her do that because I do agree it was the – she's lost her sisters you know, and she's finally getting to a point where it's like I think at a certain point they even reference it. Maybe it's time for her to do something different. Instead of being where she is, so I could see that happening with these two characters. Yeah, yeah. I actually really liked Ventress's development, not just in the book, but throughout the series. And I thought, agreed. They they touched on it really well in a kind of a subtle way. And this, she talked about how you know it's about finding a balance between the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. And we've seen kind of grayish Jedi before, but I thought this was a little bit different than we've seen before. And I just I really liked the way they approached that that entire storyline. Well, isn't this the first time you actually heard somebody say that there is that balance between the light and the dark and you have to find it because you just said that it is true. There is that gray area, but she flat out says there is that balance. And that's what she was trying to teach Quinlan. Well, how many other characters in the canon have been able to balance that line and come back on the better side of that line? Because I think that's the whole idea of the dark side is if you teeter on that line, you step over and then you can't come back as we see later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, a, say, there's I, no way to come back unless um, you throw the emperor down a tunnel. No, I was going to say, I think, I think Jason made that, that balance, didn't he? Oh, the, yeah. Um, no, but in the end he went, well, that's... It was a Darth Vader kind of thing. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was gone and right before he died. Which, I mean, to be fair... No spoilers happen at the end of this book, too. Yeah. So, let's see. I'm trying to think. Um, what well, we left what, off. What cop happens next? I believe um, they, they go to... Uh, I might be that, getting these out of order, so unfortunately, because our, our notes are a little different for a, a novel review than a standard episode. Um, I believe they first go to that party on um, Count Dooku's homeworld. Wasn't it on... Um, no, it was not on Serena. It was on Raxus. Oh, it was Raxus. Yes, it was on Raxus. Raxus Secondus. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny because I'm used to hearing Raxus Prime. So. Yeah. I, ditto. Ditto. Because I, I, I agree. It was always Raxus Prime. Uh, but they, they go to this this event and they encounter Count Dooku and they try to apprehend him and fail. Um, 
And of course, you know, <laughs> get some interesting comments, dialogue between uh, Ventress and and Quinlan because Ventress is trying to, you know, they're trying to get all dressed up and but also you know, so they can be undercover at the the fancy party and stuff. And um, they have a, a brief discussion with Count Dooku, and he ends up escaping after their battle. So Quinlan, uh, so Saj decides to take Quinlan to Dathomir and train him uh, in the ways of the dark side because he's too compassionate and too um, too much of a good guy basically and she wants to kind of get that out of him because he's going to need to be more brutal in order to take down Dooku and uh, and Quinlan so intent on taking out Dooku kind of goes along with it and so they take a, a trip to Dathomir and kind of learn all about Asajj's history and and that sort of thing what did you, you guys think of this this whole scene? I thought that um, it's this is the part of the book that I really started to get invested. Mm-hmm. I like the the any type any time that a novel starts to um, explore the dark side and different perspectives on it, um, I really start to get interested. So I like to see kind of the interactions here. I think Voss, um, I think because he was falling for her personally, he was more willing to do things that he probably wouldn't have done if he was you know, just with some other random person that was, you know, trying to help him learn about the dark side, he probably would have been a lot more careful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, guys tend to do stupid things when they fall in love. And I think that that was kind of what what was pushing Voss at this point. You know, he was, at this point when they're on Dathomir, he's falling for her and he's willing to do these things and kind of go a little bit darker than, than he probably would have otherwise. Well, yeah. there was the case in point. There was that creature that, she had to explain to him the only way to defeat the creature is by using the dark side and he had to go oh god what was it it i'm trying to remember what it was but it was a dark pool of water or something and you have to summon the creature using the dark side and you have to kill it and there was that point in which quinlan didn't well, want to she do didn't it because, she didn't say you have to kill it she said you had to cut off a piece well, of it or something mm, and then yeah. boom he's got it under control then you have to kill it that was kind right. of right but at that point, I think if I remember the book correctly, he was like, he was able to get into the creature and sense its fear, sense everything. It's like, you know what, basically, I think it could have been like the last of its kind or something, or he was thinking about that yeah. way. He really yep. didn't want to do it, you know. And you know, but... I, I, sorry, I can finish your thought, Tom. No, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I, was, I, I actually I, got... I was really excited about that, that scene building up to it because, like, oh, this is like you know the middle of Night Sister lore. You know, this is how you become a Night Sister, and they and Asajj mentions that this is uh, a tentacle is a key ingredient in, and I don't remember the exact wording, but it was like the water of life or something like that, some Night Sister potion or magic, and that he had to get the tentacle. And so I thought that we were going to see the Night Sister magic, or it was going to be some important plot point, and then. He kills it, and that was the end of it. Like it just it, that entire idea just got completely dropped. I think I was she was really just kind of messing with him with that too, just saying, "Yeah, it's a. I'm going to show you the secrets of the Night Sisters." Oh no, really? I just got to get you in the pool. And that I agree with. I, I agree. I think she was just messing with him. But I thought this whole the that pool, and I'm sure there's many places like this um, across the galaxy, was like uh, the tree on Dagobah. True. I can see that being the same thing. That's true because the the creature was very mysterious, and I mean it, it it's it obviously existed, but um, 
maybe because remember in well this might be that's true the, i mean uh, yeah the and, other and stuff luke did cut uh, off right. Vader's head and it seemed mm -hmm. real during that scene too Excellent point. Um, yeah. So it does. Uh, it, 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 she did seem to say that it was like different for every person, and so like this creature might be different for him. Um, so it might have been just this force kind of uh, everything's in your head kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting later on that Asajj is thinking about the fact that she she's convinced she pushed Voss too far in this scene that. You know, she needed him to be just a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, and she pushed him too hard, and this is what pushed him over the edge. And it was watching her struggle with trying to figure out, like, how do you teach someone to tap into the dark side without tapping into the dark side was mm -hmm. really interesting. And surprisingly, even a Jedi Master who's, you know, got his stuff together. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and so after they, they, they get to a point where they believe they're, they've done enough, training that they can they can take out Dooku and and they try again and uh this time things go horribly wrong uh and Quinlan is sorry I, was gonna say, I think this is the first time they go after Dooku it's they after Voss reveals himself to Asajj they go to Dathomir to ah, yeah, so you, you, yes. and yeah. then they well, go one key to point, he reveals then... himself he reveals his identity yeah. and says he's a Jedi and that's and... when she looked at him and said I knew all along yeah, I mean, yeah, she knew. Kind of lays his cards out on the table, uh, and it's no longer um, Quinlan trying to con Asajj into mm -hmm. taking out Dooku. They're they're doing this together, and something that they both want to do. Yeah. Uh, and so then they go they go try to to take out Dooku, and Quinlan is captured. There is there is one little piece that's kind of been left out is Quinlan is supposed to go to Obi-Wan every once in a while to check in to see how the status of this little charade is going. And it's a specific meet at this bar. And that's a certain point. Right, I think, at this point, when Quinlan basically, quote-unquote, turns and they go after Dooku, you go back to Obi-Wan in that bar. And Obi-Wan's waiting for him. Now, Quinlan has always had a thing of being late at these meetings as you read the book. But there is that one time where he just doesn't show up. And Obi-Wan is just like, uh, we got a problem here. Mm-hmm. I think that was a pivotal scene because I think that was the first bit of doubt um, that um, he uh, Obi-Wan keeps on referring back to in, in his character later yep. on referencing the dark side yep mm -hmm. okay. yeah and then quinlan's basically he's captured and uh, that kind of ends the the first half of the novel where quinlan is now in count dooku's clutches asajj has escaped and uh but she's without quinlan and can we she... talk about uh the fact that general grievous is here for no reason at all oh yes <laughs> yeah. please yes please. <laughs> i've forgotten about this... that this is one of those moments where when I'm reading this book, I'm realizing and reminding myself, oh, yeah, these are Clone Wars episodes because that was totally put there, you know, just to make an exciting fight scene. You know, they yep. they're like, hey, how can we make this fight scene cooler? Oh, let's let's add General Grievous. You know, like there's really no reason for him to be there. It's kind of odd that he's there. But he's there so they can have a, a more spectacular fight scene. Um, or it kind of seems like maybe when they were doing the Clone Wars, the writer 
had to write in that uh, voice actor because they're on contract for this many episodes. So that's kind of what I feel. <laughs> that, that's actually a good point. Now, there, there were a couple of moments I felt like that, especially with some of the battle droids, because I, I associate the battle droid humor with something that was very naturally for the Clone Wars. You know, it was part of a cartoon. It was for Cartoon Network. And hearing the battle droids, like, I could, it was, I was knowing myself with it. I could picture their damn voice in my head. <laughs> well, it was but, worse on the audiobook when he actually <laughs> did it. And you're like, oh, God. It's just like, please, Jar Jar, don't show up. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean the did he even did Grievous even have any lines? I think maybe I he said one thing. Maybe he, yeah, he was. Two. I mean his his appearance was so short I forgot about it. Now I mean I read the book two months ago, whatever it was, right, a month or two ago. But yeah, it was it was that short. It was very very short. So short, really, I got, mm-hmm. it's also interesting to note up to this point. I feel like the um, the voice of the book and the it's all the story of Voss as it's going through. And at this point, they cut off that and kind of talk about him in third person. You're no longer in his mind mm, yes. for the rest of this book because they have to hide the fact that the, you as the reader have to figure out if he's really dark or not. Yes. And actually, so this is one of the things that I, I loved about Dark Disciple is from this point on, you know, um, Quinlan is in Dooku's clutches, and you don't know whether he's turned or not. Has he turned to the dark side? Is he, you know, or, or is he just pretending and he's still trying to help the Jedi? And it, it becomes this really, really interesting dynamic throughout the book, throughout the last half of the book. You know, uh, Asajj forms a team uh, to go rescue uh, Quinlan, f- comprising of... Um, Basically, all, all all the all the bounty hunters, right? Um, Boba's there, Bosk, Lazarazi, Heisinger, Embo, um, and, and and Embo's dog. He was there too. And Embo's dog, and uh, <laughs> but and there no was a Dengar. lot of. Sorry? Where was Dengar? I don't know. Where was Dengar? That was you know what? Was he was read- there. I was reading now, it and I was like, wait, who's missing? There's somebody missing, and I realized it was Dengar. Did something happen to him in the Clone Wars that were, that they explained no, why he's not part Simon- of the team? Simon Pegg wasn't available, so... <laughs> that might be true. That Good might actually fun. be true as far as the show goes. Maybe they purposely didn't write him into the script because they thought, oh, well, we're not going to be able to get Pegg back. And then that just carried over to the novel. But yeah, I I did think it was odd that he was missing. Yeah, and and, and it's nice that at least they, they carried along... Uh, they continued some of the um, the stories from the Clone Wars with... And the dynamic between Ventress and Boba. Because you remember the last time Ventress saw Boba, she basically uh, threw him in the box at the... She put him uh, in a crate. In the crate. And uh, presented him to the uh, the kidnappers of that, of that girl. Mm-hmm. I remember that, that, that episode where they're on the train. And, um, and that's the last time she saw Boba. And so she has to kind of uh, almost apologize and convince Boba to help her save Quinlan. Um uh, you know, and it's nice that that thread was not forgotten. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, I, th- I really like the inclusion of these characters because I thought all of those characters were very interesting in the episodes that they showed up in in the Clone Wars. Um, now, Embo, Embo was not originally part of their group, right? He He's an addition to the group. Is I that right? believe so. I don't think he was originally part of that crew that did the whole train heist. Um, 
I think, I think that, the first time we saw Imbo, wasn't it on that ice planet where he used his helmet? As no, 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 that was much later. That was the most okay, that was much time. later. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Imbo was originally part of that group of bounty hunters that was um, that very first episode they had with the Zabrak female bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, and I think the actual name of the episode was called bounty, bounty hunters. hunters. Yeah. And I think that's the first time we see Embo, but then we saw him again kind of on his own. Um, but yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen him with Fett's team. Right. Yep. And so... Um, Did they so, say if Fett was wearing... I know they said he had the helmet, but was he still wearing kind of his old armor, or did has he transitioned? I don't remember. That is... That Do you, I don't remember at all. I mean, Steven having just <laughs> read the I, book. I know. I was, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I don't... I don't recall them mentioning what he was wearing. Well, and how old think... is he here? Is he full grown or uh, teenager? I mean, yes. He's still, I think still he's a teenager. Kid. Yeah, he's still a kid. This is near the end of the Clone Wars at this point. Well, actually, it's about at least six months before the end of the Clone Wars. Um, because, it's a great, great segue, thank you. Um, Asajj finds Quinlan, uh, and, and Dooku at this point is trying to convince. It basically does what all good Sith do. He tells Quinlan the truth. And he says that... He reveals that... Uh, that that uh, Asajj had killed... Um, master Thalm. Uh, Quinlan's master. Whom he loved. And he just can't believe it. And of course he uses... Uh, Quinlan's powers against him. And, and hands... I think, I think Asajj gets there just as... Um, He's giving Quinlan, was it Asajj's lightsaber? Uh, yeah. or, or some object no, no, of Asajj's. It was Thalm's lightsaber. Thalm's yes, lightsaber. Yes, that's right. Thalm's that's lightsaber. That's what it was. Yes. And yeah. he had, you know, Quinlan has the ability to, um, to, 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 to see memories or visions of memories and, uh, from objects, right? And uh, was it called psychometry or something like that? Psychometry, yeah. Psychometry. Um, so he, he touches Master Thalm's lightsaber and he basically experiences Thalm's death, his master's death, at the hands of Asajj Ventress, which instantly creates a rift between them. And when Asajj shows up, he refuses to go with her. And the rescue attempt fails. And then I think it, the book skips ahead, like, so the, six yeah, the months month, or so? It's a couple of months. I don't, think I don't remember if it was six months, but it was, it, was a, it was a significant amount of time. Because she yeah. had to go and get more jobs and try to work and yeah yeah she gets drunk very depressed I, yeah I don't I don't remember the last time I saw a Star Wars book talk about uh, people getting drunk Depression. or drinking and doing yeah. shots this often yeah yeah um, and also just to go ahead and mention it, it do you do you guys remember them saying words like hell and damn in the book I mean I, they said yeah. it in this yeah uh, that's they that's, had that in A New Hope as well so that's kind of very um it, it when they did that just to say it when they did that it kind of took me out of it more like that seems something that would be like earth we talk about and it didn't right. seem like a long time ago and so it, it was kind of weird when they talked about that when, when they said those things mm-hmm. they had them sparingly in uh the original trip. i mean they could have said frack i mean yeah. come on makeup <laughs> hey Blast. you know different battle star here <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. Wrong podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, we got 
Steam we get intro- I was gonna say we get introduced to this idea that Voss is completely gone to the dark side now. He's working with Dooku, and he is Admiral Enigma, which I thought Admiral was the Enigma. one of the more silly names I've ever heard for a uh, Star Wars character <laughs> or any character really. But okay, you didn't think Jar Jar was was silly. Jar Jar sounds like the name for a Gungan, but if you're gonna have like this this powerful Sith, you know, apprentice or whatever he's supposed to be, give him a better name than yeah. Enigma. Like, you, know, what you really gotta be a little bit more of, creative than that. It really reminds me of in Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, where you, uh, if you choose on Terrace in the first planet, you can go and fight in the arena. And, you know, you <laughs> go up there and they're like, so what's your name? And you're like, my name's Bob. And they're like, oh, that's not gonna do. We'll call you the Mysterious Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, they have, if you think about it this way, like from the galaxy's point of view, the two like leaders of this army now, um, I guess Grievous kind of is, but like it looks like it's like Dooku and his right hand man, you know, Admiral Enigma. And that's like the two of the least threatening names you could think of. (laughs) Duke, like Count Dooku to me is like one of the worst Star Wars names of all time. And he actually has a cooler name, Darth Tyrannus, but they never use it. They always call him Count Dooku. And and then yeah, of course, his apprentice should be called something stupid like Enigma. <laughs> okay, so here's a good question on this aspect: Why couldn't anybody sit there, look at Quinlan, and go, "I thought he was a Jedi"? I mean, was he that much undercover to where well, he was... somebody didn't even know he was a Jedi? The Jedi knew who he was, but the, yeah, but, the whole but idea about but Enigma was kind of staying behind, you know, behind the scenes or on the bridge of the ship, just giving the orders. He wasn't. To my knowledge, on the front lines. Okay, well, they did say he was in a hollow cast or something because um, uh, didn't right. she see him? Yeah, in the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought there was something to where his his face was there. I thought I read it to that extent. Yeah, no, so they they talk about him, him him being on the news and Asajj is r- really broken up over this fact. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. it's that Quinlan was always kind of a. Uh, you know, like he was never in the. No, because he was he was the undercover Jedi. No one right. was ever really familiar. Yeah, with that's him. a good point. Well, and and it's just like today, if you get the governor of Massachusetts up on TV, and I mean, I don't know who that is. You know what I mean? So, maybe, and there's thousands of Jedi. So he, he, it's not like they can memorize you know everybody's face like they might mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker later on. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Anakin and Obi Wan can go unrecognized at times, I can imagine Quinlan would. Uh, and obviously the Jedi knew that he'd been captured and, and turned. Well, they didn't know, I think, until for a few months. Maybe he disguised his, himself. Well, what I like, uh, you were mentioning, um, you know, he's going to the dark side. And, and you mentioned that uh, scene where she had to leave Voss. Um, I think that created some of the most complicated emotions that you had to imagine between those two and then play in your knowledge of the dark side mm-hmm. and what, what they're having to uh, battle with between each other, especially later on, which I know we're going to come to. And I just like that really set up the crux of this story, which was really cool to delve into the dark side like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing I, I will mention, and this might be, maybe we, we might have the timeline just slightly off. So I want to apologize to our listeners if that's the case. Um, but, uh, at one point, Bosk actually manages to capture Count Dugu. 
somehow, which actually was the most uh, surprising thing in the, in the novel in some ways. That wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when the bounty hunters make their rescue. captures Dooku in this webbing and aims a blaster at his head. That's right. And somehow yeah, Dooku ends up escaping. I'm like, how did Bosk do that? He's not that good of a bounty hunter. <laughs> it was a, a very odd scene for sure. Right. Um, but eventually, Voss is rescued. And he comes back to the Jedi and, um, you know... They 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 he, they basically figure out that you know Dooku has a listening station on Vancor and come up with this whole obviously Vancor is where um, the the nest of Gundarks was in the Clone Wars and the plant where uh, I believe Mace Windu uh, gets gets trapped in the in the ship as R two come home episode anyway um, so they the Jedi Council is you know glad to have Voss back and. Uh, for having saved some lives, many many lives, and and, and all of this stuff, um, but then they start to suspect they might have a leak, and uh, and so there's constantly this suspicion: is 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 Voss good? Is he bad? He's back with the Jedi now, but maybe he's actually working for Dooku. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty going mm-hmm. throughout the entire mm-hmm. episode. They they know he's, you know, there's a possibility he hasn't fully been rehabilitated. Well, picking up on that, Ventress even said. She warned them. Mm, yes. And they did not listen. Oh, I, that's true. I forgot. She was constantly saying, oh, no, he's, he's, he's bad. He's bad. He's bad. Yep. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, while she loved him, she kept saying, oh, no, he's, he's, he's evil. He, he's, he's turned to the dark side. I can tell. And the Jedi refused to believe her. I think that kind of tipped you off as a reader, too, when that was happening, because Boss is trying to convince her. And she was the one that was kind of slighted by Voss initially, and then suddenly she's like, "Oh no, you're you're going to the dark side now, so I'm not interested in you anymore." And everybody else thinks he's good except for her. So as a reader, it kind of tips you off; something's not right. Um, yep. And so it wasn't unexpected when it turned later on that he actually was always dark mm-hmm. um, because of that reaction by her, even though she was convinced later on herself um, that he that he actually wasn't. Go with your gut instincts. If you're sitting there thinking that he's turned, he's turned. Mm-hmm. But they, the uh, bravo to Christy Golden though, because I mean, there. If you pay attention, we should all know that Voss is going to still be a Jedi after this book's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. because in canon, mm-hmm. they reference him in Episode Three. General Voss yep. has moved his troops to Boss Pity. Boss Pity, right. Yep. So yeah. unless there's a different General Voss, which I thought maybe they were going to go that direction with it, because as the book went on, I'm like, wow, there's no coming back for this guy. Like he is, he's turned, he's, you know, he ends up killing a couple Jedi, and I'm like, they're not bringing this guy back into the Order, so they're going to have to explain away that line from Episode 3. I was completely convinced that, yeah, it, that, it, that it, he wasn't coming back. Totally agree. That That was the most amazing part about this book, is that... You know, you knew, you know, okay, so you didn't know Asajj's fate, but you knew Quinlan, at least, according to that line in Revenge of the Sith, he was still alive and working for the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ultimately you knew he couldn't be evil. And yet, it was, it was almost like, while I knew it the whole time I was reading the book, it was, 
I was still so caught up in what was going on. You, you never quite knew, oh, maybe, maybe he is bad, maybe he's, maybe he's good, and you, you were constantly going back and forth. I'm glad I never uh, made that connection because the Titanic effect would have messed the, the whole book up. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I went through this whole thing thinking, oh, well, he's dead. She's dead. They're going to Romeo and Juliet themselves out of this. Yeah, so I was I was very pleased with Christy Golden. That while I, I knew in the back of my head that he would be fine, um, she also managed to trick me into thinking that. And I ended well, up forgetting that that line existed almost. But that that's what makes this story up there with so far the new canon. Yeah. It was told well enough from a basic TV series into a novel form. Yes, we would like to see stuff expanded out. But it did keep you guessing because I am happy. I'm sad because the, the fate of Asajj is put in this book. But I'm happy that the fate of Asajj was treated better than the comic that I did buy that basically has her at the end of the comic say, get me out of here. And that's the last you see her is on a ship going off into hyperspace. It's almost like, get me out of the series. I'm done. So mm-hmm. The Obsession comics. I think so. I, yeah. I can't, they're all boxed up, but yeah. you know, I, I think this is a better fate for Asajj because you actually feel. Well, it's not a better fate for her. <laughs> well, but, but we're not. We're not. I'm sorry, but we're we're not getting into that point yet because we haven't gotten to the spoilerific part yet. We're we're still a ways there. But at least at least you got to feel a little bit more for the character, and you got. I. I've always liked her because I've liked how she and Obi-Wan interacted and it's the same thing here. And you, I'm not going to say it's a satisfying way she leaves, but it's better than a ship. Just goodbye. So anyway. So the Jedi start to have their own suspicions, which is where we get that the second part where we're like, eh, this is kind of weird. Like, okay, so we're going to get to, we decide we need to test Voss. If it turns out he's a traitor, well, we're just going to execute him. Problem solved. Right. And, and even, but, um, I think Yoda has that one line, right, where he says something about how, uh, well, they, they do that test. Maybe, maybe I'm jumping ahead of you. But they do the test where they go to the debris field and there's all these bombs and um, it's a supply well, yeah. so they, well, so this is this is before that. So, oh, they, so they, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> they mentioned that Voss has a couple of missions that are, you know, that he seems to have done well at. Okay, it's time to test. They send him on a supply mission and uh, to sorry, a mission to a, a separatist outpost to pick up supplies. They get there, the base explodes. Then they send Voss like, okay, we trust you. You did a good job. You rescued Anakin and Obi Wan. Good for you. And they send them off to uh, an outpost, and the outpost is abandoned. And then I don't—I'm trying to remember if it explodes or not, but I feel like it explodes. And they're like, "Okay, this is suspicious." And then they talk to Dash, and Dash is like, "Yeah, I found some bombs that are Republic-made." And at this point, they're like, "Okay, I think—I think we've got a problem." Well, I think he was also using his psychometry or something, mm-hmm. uh, and and he went on that base and he was trying to grab stuff and it was too old or too damaged or whatever, whatever happened. Oh yeah, they blew it up. But I thought it, at that point I thought it was funny because the only one who can maybe prove that, uh, he was dark is him because mm-hmm. he has that power, which mm-hmm. I guess later Yoda kind of uses against him, if you will. I don't know if it was the same idea or not. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of to, to your point. Um, so they start to have more suspicion, and finally they realize, um, oh, crap, all the evidence points to Quinlan. And, you know, they go over everything they knew. I think it was, you know, Ventress claimed that Voss had turned, fallen to the dark side. There was a Republic-crafted bomb small enough to be hidden inside the robes and delivered by Voss. He destroyed the supply base in the asteroid. His key listening outpost had been abandoned. And the only information as to why was discovered by Voss. And so all signs are pointing to, to Voss. Um, and, and Yoda basically says, you know, hey, um, I, I think Voss has turned to the dark side. He's, you know, he says, Voss can tell the history of items, but the history of a soul does the Force permit me to understand it. He's like, I know it wouldn't be acceptable in a court of law, but no judge is going to accuse me of lying. And they basically, (laughs) a little arrogant. You can't argue with Yoda. No, you can't. And and I like, I really like how they handled that. Mm. I thought that was the best way to do it because who would you trust if he could actually use, like Quinlan does it with an actual object. Yoda can do it touching a a person. Who would they believe? No other Jedi could do it. They would believe Yoda. And I thought that was the best coolest thing in the book and a best use for yoda in this book and it was funny how he even said you know nobody can accuse me of lying right absolutely and And i I didn't think that was like pompous or anything i just thought it was like yeah it's kind of the fact like people are gonna trust yoda you know yep yoda doesn't lie um uh, and, and we get some nice references to general krell's deception and how even that was less damaging and also barris offy you know, uh, and her treachery. Um, and they decided they have to deal with this in the firmest manner possible. And once again, you know, the Jedi were like, well, I might have to entertain the possibility of execution. Uh, again, very un-Jedi-like, which is fascinating. Um, and then again, Obi-Wan stresses again his dismay, saying, look at, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, and so they plan one more last test where they, they go after Dooku and they say, if Voss fails to execute Count Dooku, Obi-Wan has to intervene and be the one to take him out. Which is uh, funny because Obi-Wan is the least likely to want to do that. Right? <laughs> As Quinlan's Absolutely. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and And Obi-Wan even said to everybody, look, the last time we did this, we came up with what is most likely a dark Jedi. And he's mm-hmm. right, like... They've they basically sacrificed him uh, for this mission to the dark side. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, Stephen, you want to? I'm sorry, and, and I just thought of something. Oh, go ahead. Which no, is probably ahead. why um, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, uh, sorry, Samuel Jackson just lost his name. The Jedi, Mace, Mace Windu. Windu. Um, Mace Windu, Windu is like he's too dangerous to be left alive. So this, I think this puts a lot into why he was doing that. Later, he's sitting there uh, trying to tell Anakin, "We need to kill him now because I know what happens if we leave him alive." I've gone through all this before, and it doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, and so they decide that okay, we need to test Voss's loyalty. I have an idea. Let's have him kill Dooku again. Which I always thought was right. a little odd, but yeah. you know. So so be it. So they off they go. There was they know where Duke is because it's convenient. And mm-hmm. Voss infiltrates 
with Anakin and Obi-Wan sneakily going behind them with a very funny bit, I thought, with Anakin talking through a battle droid. Um, I thought that was really cool. I felt like it was a scene... Yeah, I felt like it was a scene that was more meant for television. Like, that was one of the mm-hmm. those core concepts, even though this was later on, that they definitely, like, we got to have this scene. This will be hilarious. Yeah. And I thought it translated yeah. relatively well to the book. Yeah, I, and, thought it, I thought it was very creative for them to do it. Very creative. That was really cool. Yeah. Sorry. And then Remind me how – oh, go ahead. Asajj fits in, but – Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that, thank you. Going back, Voss is like, okay, if I'm going to do this again – then Asajj is coming with me. And okay. because they'd pardoned her earlier on in the ep- uh, in the episode, or sorry, the book, not the episode, um, she's also <laughs> there. Enough. And Ventress is on the, ta- the getaway ship because Voss doesn't want her to be in danger. And we get the big reveal where Voss fights Dooku, has him on the ground, and then lets him, lets him go. Or captures okay, him. Now- brings him back. I'm try- Actually, now I'm blanking. Okay, no, but, they let, but that sorry, was the sorry, thing. They let it, yeah, Voss decides to let him be, and then uh, Obi Wan oh. and Anakin leap out from behind cover and take them both captive immediately. Okay, but there was another thing that was behind Voss in this whole thing. He wanted to know who the second Sith was. Right. He, well, he really uh, yeah. pressed that. Oh, we did. Yeah, I thought that was no, that no, point. No, no, where that, it comes next, I think. No, oh, that's that. Okay. You're right, Tom. This is oh, what when he think. when he attacks yeah. Dooku at this point, that's why he stops trying to kill him. He's literally slamming Dooku's head into the ground. Oh yeah. And about was... to finish him off. And then Dooku's like, No, we can, you know, join me and we can defeat he did an introduction. Yeah. And then he said, you know, yeah, give me an introduction to him. So that was the reason why he kept Dooku alive, hoping to meet Sidious. Yeah, well, what I, I thought was go ahead, Tom. No, you know what? Go ahead, David. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I thought what was cool about this was uh, so Voss is now on the dark side, even if we don't necessarily fully comprehend it until the conversation later. But um, he's trying to justify the dark side and he wants to fix everything. He really wants to do it um, for the right reason. He wants to go to um, uh, find the next Sith. And then he wants to, uh, just like Anakin, wants to make everything right in the galaxy. Uh, so he's really doing it for the right reasons, but in the wrong way. And that's what all Sith does. Yep. Do, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, so I think this was the point in which you had Anakin and Obi-Wan finally step into this thing. Because I understand why Obi-Wan wanted it all to play, th- to, to play out. I mean, Anakin was naturally, we got to jump in here. We've got to take care of this. But there's Obi-Wan saying, look, let it play out a little further. Let it play out a little further. And then it's to a point where, you know what? That's as far as we got. Then all heck breaks loose. Lightsaber's going. Everything's happening. Things are happening left and right. And wow. Uh, Asajj gets uh, injured, right. basically. She's she's hurt, and they're they're running away, and... Um, Voss starts to it, it, things well, he, look he, dire for her. Yeah, and and he finally starts coming clean. He finally says, "You know what? You know you are right. He, you know, I did fall to the dark side." Okay, so Asajj gets mortally wounded, mortally wounded, and he's begging her, you know, just don't go. Now this is where I think it got just a little melodramatic for me, 
But, you know, I guess I could live with it. What did you guys think at this point? Or was it a little bit over-the-top melodramatic for Star yeah, Wars? We're talking about the her last scene. Yes. Yeah, her last yeah. scene. And I, I like what, you know, she finally kind of comes clean into where she really isn't dark. She went to that, flirted with that side, uh, pardon the pun, and then came back. And, um, you know, she says, let me go. It's the Jedi way. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, Tom, like you said, instead of that flying off into the sunset where she was in the canon before, her last scene is really more or less a I'm I'm really kind of turning towards the light side, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a relief. I mean, th- this character after like a Darth this, Vader. Yeah. And, and it, out of all the pain that it's been set up to where, yes, she would be in, in on level 1313 helping you know wayward girls if i understood correctly and all the other stuff she's done the bounty hunting you know she was a sith apprentice she was an assassin she was all this kind of stuff out of all that pain she's gone through losing even her sisters she finally gets some relief at relief at this point and it's like you know what it's really sad that it had to end this way with her saying it's the jedi way and basically at that point she's gone but you definitely feel that all that weight is lifted off her shoulder, and this is the most fitting way for this character to leave the universe. Yeah, I, I do agree with you, Tom. It was very melodramatic um, and super cheesy, but I was completely bought into it at this point. That's, and yeah. to their relationship. Yeah, and I was, I literally, like, it doesn't happen to me too often. I tend to, I can be kind of emotional when I read or watch films, and I can tear up, and I'm not ashamed of it, whatever, but... It doesn't happen too often when I read Star Wars books, but mm-hmm. I will admit that I was reading the scene and I, I could just reading the dialogue between the two characters and the emotion. I was really sad to see Ventress go, and I I got a little I got a little misty eyed. Mm-hmm. I'll admit it. I, I can't put that perspective on because I think I was on a treadmill at the time that in this. <laughs> it was, I think it was, I was misty eyed for other reasons. It was sweat dripping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> because again, audiobook, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you definitely feel the, the emotion though, and you know, Asage dies, and and they kind of wrap up the episode pretty quickly. Uh, it's the episode. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, the episode yeah, it's not so easy now, is it? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it, it basically was an episode, but um, they wrap up the story pretty quickly. And um, I do think it was cool that, and the I guess this is the very last scene um, where. <laughs> he lays her to rest into, into the little magic goo or whatnot. And yes. um, when you have like a Yoda or an Obi-Wan, you know, all this dying, they kind of disappear, if you will, the light side. Well, this is kind of dark side stuff. So then she kind of disappears into the goop and it boils up and whatnot. And so it was very like, witch's brew uh, Shakespeare kind of like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's kind of the way she um, kind of her, her funeral Basically, they, they brought her back to her home and uh, back to her sisters. Because uh, as she was dying, she said the knights, her, her sisters were calling her, their fellow mm-hmm. night sisters. Uh, and if I if I remember correctly, I think even Voss said that he that to a certain extent they could hear the whispers. And as she, Asajj, went into the pool for one last time, I think he said he heard sister. So yeah. they were expecting her to come back. And again, I did not tear up at this. I'm not one to say I would, but I think that. <laughs> oh. oh, okay, yes. I had a small a stab. <laughs> okay, you know what? Old Yeller made me cry. All right. So, I, again, I think this was 
this was a very good ending for this book. I would like to have seen it actually animated out. I don't know, though, if it could have made it all eight episodes. I think they would have more than eight. Well, I it's still I don't think it could have made it for all those episodes. I How think so, it had to shorten it. Huh? How so? You know what? Because then you're talking about that would be a whole season. Yeah. With just I, this one storyline. I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I mean, that's well, it'd be a, a third of a season uh, spread out over possibly two seasons. That's well, what's the longest there. arc that they had continuous in Clone Wars? Uh, they tended to do four at three, you know, three or four at a time. Right. But then they would yeah. have those tie together. So like the four from last season and the four from right. this season or something. And so it's certainly not unheard of to do that, that no. sort of thing. But if, if that were the case, and I would have liked to have seen this as an actual movie. Oh, do sure. it as one full movie instead of doing it as those episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Voss himself, I mean, we, we I guess we never mentioned quite how he what happens to him. Um, he and uh, and Obi Wan managed to escape, um, and, and Dooku eludes capture thanks to some help from Darth Sidious at the last minute, um, and uh, but they, and they, they never end up getting. I mean, he he'd wanted to use Dooku to get to Sidious uh, as he had in the comics. Mm-hmm. Eliminate both Sith Lords, but uh, that ended up failing, obviously. So, the, do the Jedi already know his name is Darth Sidious at this point? Before this novel, I, uh, y- yes, I thought they did. Yeah, because okay. uh, I couldn't remember tells, if that was a big deal or not that they revealed that in this novel. Dooku tells um, Obi Wan tells Obi Wan that in Attack. Of okay, Wars. you're right. Okay, I couldn't. When I read that, I was like, wait, is this the first they're hearing that name? I couldn't remember. Yeah, no, that's a it's a good. So did anyone else have like a slight moment, uh, like when he was lowering her into the water, and like all of a sudden the water started changing color and like surrounding her? Was everybody thinking, "Oh wait, are the dark magics going to bring her back to life?" Like there, <laughs> there was a small moment that I was thinking that they might go that direction. I was glad they didn't because that would have been such a cop out. Yeah, but, um, I, I I agree with you. I thought I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same thing. But I'm actually glad that she. As great as a character as Asajj is, I'm actually glad that she, she kind of we were able to end her story. Uh, yeah, and, you need loss to make yeah. it real. I mean, if anybody watches Game of Thrones, I mean, someone dies all the time there. You know, when it makes the story interesting when you someone is actually able to die. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and of course, as for for Voss, you know, he's brought for the Jedi Council, and uh, he confessed to all of his crimes, and he tells them that he had fallen and denied the truth even to himself. And how he had, you know, like I said, tried to, you know, use Dooku to get to Sidious. Uh, he respect, ex, res, accepts full responsibility for everything. And they kind of um, give him a, a pass in many ways, right? He's kind of on probation, but they, they accept him back. And uh, and then the book kind of ends, well, obviously with the funeral, but shortly before that with Kenobi basically acknowledging that they had lost their way when they decided to try to assassinate Dooku. Mm-hmm. Uh as, as he says, a practice so clearly of the dark side for their own ends, as well intentioned as they might have been. I think this the purpose of this whole book was also to frame a um, character going from the light side to the dark side and back. And so now you're putting in that in these characters' heads uh, when Anakin's falling and all this stuff's now going to heck around them, um, what they're thinking in their heads that, well, we can pull him back. 
Um, and really, all of this is based on Fallen Jedi, except for Sidious. Mm-hmm. Yep. So are we ready for the ratings? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tom, do you want to go first? Oh, why not? I don't know what I'm going to do with the um, Womp Rats yet, but I'm pretty sure as I ramble on from my rating, on, I'll come up with something. Um, I, out of all the books so far for the new canon, I, I like this book. Uh, I definitely put this above Tarkin because I've talked about Tarkin a lot. Love the book. Um, and then Lords of the Sith is also another good book. I have got to put this... I'm going to put this right now in my ranking of the three. This one is above Lords of the Sith, uh, but they're all a very tight race. I am happy that they wrapped up Asajj Ventress' storyline the way they did and not have it be a cop-out like the comic where she just disappeared into the night. Um, And... I'd like to see them try and pull Voss out for another book at some point to see if maybe they could pick up his storyline in book form at some point. We shall see. Uh, I'm going to give this book an 8.5 Womp Brat scale. Uh, and I'm going to take my eight Womp Brats. I'm going to take them to Dathomir. I'm going to have them go up against the Sleeper to see if they can survive and if not then I guess they're going to be put in those cocoons that kind of ring Dothamir landscape that Asajj was pointing out to um, um, Voss as they were on the planet for the first time so 8.5 that's where I'm at okay um, Steven so I think I'm going to have to go with 7 out of 10 Womp Rats I thought the book was solid and I enjoyed reading it, but it definitely still kind of felt like it was a little, like Aaron said earlier, it was a little too close to a direct adaptation from the TV, from a Clone Wars episode. And I feel like it, it made some parts of the, the book feel a little bit off, just that they were, the theme, the, the theming wasn't quite as consistent as I would have liked. But overall, I thought the story was really good. I liked how they worked with Asajj and I liked how they kind of closed her character arc and developed her as a whole. And I like Quinlan Voss as a character as well. And uh, let's see. I think with my 7 out of 10 Blonde Prats, I mean, Asajj and, and uh, Voss had a number of jobs they took before they went to Dathomir. And I think hunting down my 7 out of 10 Womp Rats is what they did. <laughs> that works. Um, cool. Um, I can, I'll go next. Give you guys, Aaron okay. and David, a chance to uh, prepare, since, uh, especially since you're first time, David. Um, let's see. So... Yeah, you know, I, I as I wrote my review on uh, EU Cantina, I, I really liked this book um, quite a bit. Uh, it's easily my favorite of the uh, out of all the books that have been published as part of the new EU. Uh, I think Chrissy Gold did a great job adapting the storylines. Yes, you could kind of feel the scenes between episodes. Yes, you knew Quinlan's fate in advance, but um, I just really enjoyed the story, and I thought she did a, a great job taking a um, something that could have been. You know, in the wrong hands might not have been um, handled very well, and it was really well done. Between so, I want to, I want to, I think Katie Lucas and Matt McDevitt and Dave Filoni and, uh, and Christy Golden did a great job um, on, on on the whole thing. Um, yeah, definitely some interesting moments where it didn't didn't always. It's interesting. It's hard you now. The romantic side of Asajj is not something we've seen 
that much, um, really ever. Uh, so it was kind of a surprise, but it actually worked really well. And we got a, a bunch of Clone Wars references too, from you know Christophsis to uh, the Mossy Cantina and you know Vancor and all the bounty hunters and everybody. Um, so overall, yeah, I, I, I really uh, enjoyed this. It puts a definitive end to Asajj's story. And I think I'm going to give this four and um, sorry uh, nine Womp Rats. Uh, a little bit higher than four. Tom. I was going to say, well, four and a half. So that's because I was looking at my review on EU Cantina, uh, okay. which is out of a five scale uh, instead of ten. So I'm going to give it nine Womp Rats out of ten. And my Womp Rats are um, all going to... Uh, they're actually... They're, uh, they're, they're Admiral Enigma's... Uh, minions or general and I'm just going to, you know, do his bidding. Um, David, enigma. David, why don't you go next? Okay. Uh, I thought that out of all the new stuff, this is definitely the best. And I'm holding off because, again, my favorite was the EU stuff, the Jason and Jaina story mm-hmm. arc, and that's all gone. And I'm ready for Aftermath to come out, and I'm super pumped about that. Um, but I thought this was the best so far because I thought it was a great story. The other stuff like Tarkin um, so far is is more like a history book, if you will, mm-hmm. setting up those people. Um, or like Heir to the Jedi that I admittedly didn't get through. It seemed like that was setting up characters and in, in arcs in Rebels and maybe beyond um, so that we can make references to them. I thought this was just a really, really good story. Um, and even though we've had some complaints about it, um, and even though I had that Titanic looming there, um, ready to go down, um, uh, I, I thought this was really good, delved in deep characters. Um, so I'd have to give this 8 out of 10 romp, Womp Rats, and two of those Womp Rats go off and stare deep into each other's eyes and then have <laughs> an off-camera moment, which may be referred to later in innuendo only. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, I like that one. <laughs> Aaron? Uh, yeah, I have to agree with, I think, what most of you guys are saying. This is this is hands down my favorite of the new novels that have been coming out. I've actually been kind of disappointed with what's come out so far, other than the um, the Rebels-based novel that I'm mm-hmm. blanking on, A New Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I've really been pretty disappointed with what's come out so far. Now, I haven't read Lords of the Sith yet, so I'm hoping I like that one. But this one's hands down my favorite. Um, love that it had Voss in it. I always said my dream novel is a Quinlan Voss novel, and I never thought we'd get one. And because he got brought into the Clone Wars, and now he's canon, we finally did get that novel. A little bit different of a characterization than what I was expecting from him, but I really like this version of Voss, um, and I like that he was teamed up with Ventress. Um, love all of the EU references, even though Legends is a different universe. I do like that they referenced his master Thalm, um, you know, a lot of the just different, like his force ability and things like that. Um, you know, I thought just all of that stuff, I love that they pulled it in and all the Clone Wars references like you guys were talking about. We even got some familiar clone names. Uh, Jesse was in there, Boyle from the Waxer and Boyle team up. Uh, they mentioned Boyle. So, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, loved it, and I'm going to give it eight Womp Rats. And for my Womp Rats, let's see. I'm going to put them on Christophsis and have the walkers come in and collapse one of those crystal towers down on top of them. Ooh. Oh, wow. 
they don't they don't they don't fare as well as the, as a uh, as a uh, Dooku and Ventress did. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and William, I I have to make uh, and guys, I have to make a quick correction. Sure. I sure. said um, heir to the Jedi was what I didn't finish. I actually liked that book. Um, a New Dawn was the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I interchanged those two. But, um, yeah, I did like Heir to the Jedi, but um, A New Dawn was the one I didn't get through. But, you know, I just wanted to correct for someone at home that's thinking, what is he talking about? <laughs> Why am I the only one that had a hard time with new with, with Heir to the Jedi? It was not I... amazing, but it was, uh, you know. For oh, another so, oh, like... yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us Uh on this episode, it was yeah, this was great. Fun to be back. It's been a while since we've done an episode, and since we're on the off season, it was so much fun having you both on. Uh, Aaron, uh, David, do you guys want to tell everybody where people can find you uh, online if if you want promote your anything you want to promote? Uh, I have a uh, line of handbags and shoes that you can know. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing with me. If if uh, you want to follow me, it's uh, at David Beal on Twitter. It's uh, D-A-V-I-D-B-I-E-L. And um, really, i just just a super nerd, and that's all. Thanks for having me on. I really, really am honored that y'all uh, let me come and talk with you. So oh, thanks. Of course. It's been, you know, it's we been should have you on. Yeah. Same thing with Aaron. You guys have got to come back on again. Oh, yeah. Aaron, okay. of course, you've got your podcast. Yes, I do a Star Wars literature podcast. Uh, we review all the books and comics. Uh, that come out, and we talk about just the the news in general, uh, as far as books and comics go. But yeah, I do that podcast with my co-host uh, Teresa Delgado, uh, Star Wars Bookworms, um, another good friend of the show. Yeah, so we do. We we haven't actually done this book yet, so she she might get mad at me that I reviewed it with Uh-oh. you guys before I reviewed it with Uh-oh. her. Oh, <laughs> don't say anything. Yeah, I'm don't not gonna say anybody. anything. But um, yeah, so I think um, we just did Heir to the Jedi. So if anyone's interested in checking out that episode, it just released on Saturday. I think Tom's uh, so, going to be interested. So, yeah, <laughs> a, we have both sides uh, of the story for that one. I, I didn't like it. She did. So it's a, a pretty good conversation. Over on Star Wars Report. Yes, StarWarsReport.com. You can find it over there. You can also find us on iTunes and just about any other podcast catcher that you can think of. Cool. Well, thanks again, guys. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans, by fans, and is copyright 2015.